I'm sitting in the subway station Manhattan is my destination Traveling on that dirty train Each day I live is much the same And I think what can I gain Living in this endless game Homeward bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home to Yerushalayim Home where my heart is lying Home where my destiny waits silently for me Welcome back, everybody, to a uh, new edition of Homeward Bound. My name is Egal Siegel. We're here on the Nahum Siegel Network. Uh, you're hearing us on a Tuesday evening here um, on the network. I uh, am uh, recording this as well. I usually record uh, the Homeward Bound show because of the timing uh, that my living in Israel uh, precludes me from being up at 2.30 in the morning to be on live. So I apologize to everybody for that. Uh, we uh, we thought that uh, because this week I happened to be in New York, as the song goes, Manhattan Bound. What was it? What was the song? I think it said Homeward Bound. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Nachum Siegel's here! And by the way, any reputable member of the of the Nachum Siegel Network is up at two thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the reputable members of the uh, Nachum Siegel. Anyway, I'm happy that uh, my uh, my my brother first and my boss second, Nachum Siegel is here sitting with me doing this edition of Homeward Bound. We're recording this on Sunday, so we're not able to report to you about the tremendous success of the Think Israel event here in New York. Uh, today is November 17th, but uh, we will be playing this on November 19th, which uh, will be, of course, the uh, the Florida event is November 19th, right? At, uh, That's right. In the evening. Uh, Nahum L- literally had a- now. Like, I think it's 7 p.m. or 7.30. So. That's correct. Yeah. So Nahum had a conversation with... Uh, the head of the pre-Aliyah department, Mark Rosenberg, this past Friday on Jamin AM. You can check the archives for that uh, nice conversation. Uh, Nahum seemed to be a little impressed with the idea of a Think Israel, from what I could hear. Yes, and I'll tell you why in a minute, but I must make one observation. What did I do have wrong, you, Have you seen <laughs> any of the videos of the singing rabbis from Israel? Have you yes. Seen any, have you seen that? I think they need to do a Homeward Bound. I think they need to do this version of Homeward Bound. Well, if you notice the uh, <laughs> the accent they have, it would be more like Homeward Bound. <laughs> Homeward Bound. Homeward Bound. They're very good, by the way. They're unbelievable. And in fact, someone posted a new video of what they just did recently, and and YouTube won't let you see it because someone owns the content, and now they're, oh, really? now they're getting really strict about it. But I wanted to do this version of Homeward Bound, not the one that everyone <laughs> grew up with, but the one that's now... Uh, our theme song for this uh, amazing show. Well, if they do that on the show, then no one will really know the difference because no one there speaks English. <laughs> the, yeah, I, whatever. We, I'd like to spend some time talking about that show, but let's talk about this show, I guess. <laughs> what happened was uh, what happened on Friday was that um, Mark is uh, describing Mark Rosenberg was describing this whole Think Israel event, and it seemed that Think Israel as a seminar as a expo as a show as a get-together it seemed like it was more of a cerebral type of event like they wanted people who've you know actively thought or maybe never thought of aliyah to at least start thinking start thinking about it and that's what i got from it also right and 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 if you think about it a lot of people would say how's that different from a regular aliyah expo but it really is and and here's why i think it hit me as a real big difference from a regular aliyah expo when i was in college so there was something, 
And I, I didn't want to bring this up because I had no idea what the people at Nefesh Benefesh thought of all these different groups. So I didn't bring it up Friday. There was something called Chevra Aliyah Toranit. They, called, they called it Cat, right? Yeah, I remember. Sure. So a lot of us were members of Cat. I was a member of Cat. And and we would go on Shabbatonim and, of course, the Divrei Torah and the sessions and the, um, you know, the whole theme was all about Aliyah in Israel. In fact, the status symbol of a real Zionist <laughs> in those days of cat on the college campus was um, was are are you officially part of a Garin or not? Like that uh, was right. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think ours was called Garin Zimra, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> right? Are you part of this seedling? This you know this um, uh, uh, Seed. proverbial seedling, right? That that uh, is going to be planted in the future in Israel, and that was the big status symbol. And I must say that a lot of people in the uh, in that group ended up uh, making aliyah. In fact, a friend of ours from that group married an Ethiopian woman, a Jewish Ethiopian woman in Israel, and has a large family in Israel. Wow. So, so you know, a lot of people made aliyah, and uh, obviously, I'm not putting down the efforts. So it was a great effort, but that's what this event reminded me of because it was not just come and get information about the job you may get in Israel or the you know the sal klita, the benefits and payments that are available to you in Israel. It was let's learn about Israel. Let's actually think about it and and hear, you know, why it's so advantageous, you know, for someone's family to be there, et cetera, et cetera. So that's that's what that reminded me of. That's why for me, when I heard Think Israel, it really felt like a totally different type of Nefesh Benefesh get together. I think, yeah, also the uh, the idea of having students, young professionals and young families, the idea of that you're at the start of something, whether you're a student who's just uh, starting their career a young professional who's at the beginning stages of their career and is looking to, you know, maybe to to move uh, deeper into that career, maybe possibly make a switch or something like that. Right. Now's the time to think Israel. Now's the time to 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 have that thought process of of making uh, making your career move to Israel. And of course, young families goes without saying that the younger your family is, the younger your children are, the easier their absorption into Israel would be. Now, the Think Israel event did. Or did not necessarily appeal to singles as well. It did appeal to no, students, yeah, right? Yeah. The reason I say that is because, um, I mean, obviously, if someone is not yet married, does not yet have a family, has not yet made a a hard, firm decision in terms of career, then that is a great time to think about aliyah. Hundred percent. And that's I, why you saw. Look on the flight that you were on in the oh, summer. Yeah. How many, how many singles were? I mean, the percentage of singles was very high. By the way, that's another thing, and I, you know, I don't want to use the half hour just to laud Nefesh Benefesh, although they deserve it. <laughs> but that's another thing, another lesson I learned from this summer. I don't, and I, I wish that I would have asked this question. I'm sure I'll have an opportunity in the future, please God, of Rabbi Fass and Tony Gelbart. Were they, were they, were they thinking that basically young families would be their target audience? Were that was that what they were thinking with Nefesh Benefesh? That That's a very good question. I don't know. That yeah. was their target. With people with young kids, you know, ready to make this decision, ready to get there before the kids got too old, and all that stuff. Did they even consider that so many singles from across the spectrum? From I mean, I, I spoke about the religious spectrum and all so many different political spectrum that so many of them would want to just come to Israel. My 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 impression is that it was not the it was not their focus. I think their focus wasn't anyone who wanted to look. Even now, right? Um, there was an article in the Mishpacha magazine a few weeks ago about retirees who are moving to Israel because their children have moved or because now it's it's easier for them to be there. I think there's a lot of different uh, groups who have the ability now to to make aliyah that they weren't able to for whatever reason beforehand, and I think that uh, Nefesh is dealing with all of them. It could be that it makes more sense to to uh, 
uh, target these younger groups only because uh, now's the time to make that move. Now, it, it makes the mo- most sense in terms of your life cycle, in terms of where you are in your life, that right. you should make Aliyah when you're younger. See, the As real- you have said many times. Right. That you should have made out, yeah, when you were younger. But we won't get into that in this conversation. <laughs> See, the, that's the real question. But the, the real question would be, in my opinion, Rabbi Fass, did you really think that you'd be helping a 90-year-old person make Aliyah? I mean, that, that's the the real question. Like, did you? Yigal says that, you know, every the, question, the, the goal was anybody who wants to move, we're going to help you move. But... Did you really think that a 90-year-old married for 70 years would be under that umbrella of potential Aliyah? That's the big question. I guess when Roy Fast writes his book, uh, that'll be one of the topics he'll address. Well, the truth is we are um, we are going to have Roy Fast on, uh, God willing, over the next few weeks. The uh, There is a, a new... Uh, a new program that Nefesh has, is sponsoring called the Bonetzion Prize. Yeah. Um, it's a $10,000 prize, which will be awarded in five categories where you can, anyone really can apply for somebody, or in other words, they can you can nominate someone. Right. <laughs> I can't remember my English. Uh, you can nominate someone. The deadline is uh, Sunday, December 15th, and uh, the all the information that you need for, for the nomination process is on their website. Just search under Bonetzion. But uh, we were supposed to have Rabbi Fass on to discuss that, so I'll try and sneak that question in when we have uh, when we have Rabbi Fass on the air. Hopefully, sometime before December fifteenth. You know, it's funny because um, the impression that I got from the Tel Aviv show, because the one in Kennedy was a lot different than the one we did in Tel Aviv when we landed. The impression I got from the Tel Aviv show was that they, and I, and I think they would admit this, so much of this they just didn't know. They had no clue. They had no idea that you know we have an idea. Let's start it. Let's help people, and I don't think they ever thought it would get to this point that they, you know, I mean, I know no, that I, 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 I think it would have been impossible for them when they started to even right. consider that this was. I mean, they weren't thinking of ninety-year-old people making aliyah. I don't think they were thinking of army units that would be swelling because of uh, young men and women that were coming from the United States and other parts of North America to uh, live in Israel. I mean, just whole thing. Well, is so also, hard the to uh, the whole the whole idea of bringing plane loads of people together. Um, now there's group flights as well as a group right. flight in the end of December right. where people can come in groups as li- as little as 20, 30 people can come together. But also uh, a- everything that they've done over the years has been, I think, uh, as as things progress, they've kind of grown. The, right. the, the organization has grown with the They with keep the adding on. Correct. One of the things I pointed out during Friday's conversation on the air was what you just said. That is that you know we are essentially here in the U.S., in, in one of the most dead times a year in terms of being transient, right? Mm-hmm. We think of Thanksgiving and the latter ha- half of November as a more, you know, movement type of time. And, of course, at the end of December, a lot of people are off and vacationing and traveling. And, of course, in December, there's a group flight. You know, it's, it's for a lot of people, before January 1 would be a good time to make that move, et cetera, et cetera. And, obviously, we know how, how uh, you know, how active the summer is. But here, after a very early yuntif, and we're still in early November, and what happens my friends at OnlySimplest.com call me, and they say, go to our website immediately. We have pictures of 40 people making Aliyah this week. And I'm like, what? Who would go this oh, week? That was the November. I no- guess it's November group flight. Yeah, it was the November group flight. How, I mean, who would go this week, the second week in November, to Israel? Like, I, I can't think of anybody for whom that would be a convenient Well, that's interesting you bring that up because that, that was always a question. Like, who? Right. We always think that, oh, you have to make Aliyah in the summer because your kids have to go to school. and. Right. The, you know, or January first, but, or but the truth is that there are a lot of singles, uh, 
young professionals, whatever it is, who are who are not married, who do not have families yet, uh, elderly people like we were talking about, who um, this this is a perfect time for them to go. Why not? Why can't they go now? It's a you know we I just met someone in Sfat. We were in Sfat for Shabbos, and he had made Aliyah with Nefesh uh, less than a year ago, and he's a single guy, and he. Uh, he basically, the minute that he started getting Social Security, he was on a plane. <laughs> That's what he said, basically. He said, Social Security is the greatest thing in the world. I went to, you know. So it's. Uh... So I ask why, and Nefesh Benefesh asks, why not? Oh, oh you like that, huh? <laughs> you know, part of the idea of Homeward Bound uh, was to, well, the main, the main concept of, about Homeward Bound is uh, to uh, give as much information as possible to people who are thinking about Israel. Who are thinking about making Aliyah, right? And of course, the people who are not thinking yet about making Aliyah, hopefully they're listening and getting inspired. Uh, we wanted to uh, one of the things that we've discussed um, in Nefesh Benefesh about the show is that we want to bring up some topics that we feel are important now. And, and as we're, we're talking about Think Israel, we think that this is the time, probably more than any other time since the state has, has been created, where so many different um, so many different things are coming together, so many different uh, happenings, I guess the best way of, of describing it, where, talking about North America specifically now, uh, we discussed the, the tuition crisis in North America. Right. That, the economic crisis in general. Well, that's uh, that goes without saying, yeah. but even I think even without an economic crisis, right. there'd still be a tuition crisis Correct. the way that the prices are for, for private, private school education, and it's something which obviously affects um, our community more than others. I just had a meeting with someone on Thursday when I told them how much uh, tuition is in, in private Jewish day schools. They, they just couldn't believe it. It was a non-Jewish person who has two kids who go to public school. And it's like, you know, Unfathomable. Tuition, the only time they start thinking about tuition is, nothing, is in college. Correct. So it, it was very interesting that uh, we, we had a conversation. We want to start having discussions during the show about how a perfect storm might be developing. Mm-hmm of all these different factors where things are becoming so much easier than they have been. Obviously, the process of Aliyah, because of Nefesh Nefesh, has become so much easier. But also in terms of the klita, the absorption of families into Israel, uh, the, you know, Skippy peanut butter and Heinz ketchup are there now. Stark is tuna? <laughs> yes. Yeah, believe it or not. <laughs> and we, as, you know, big veterans of yeshivas from 30 years ago, know that those are the things we brought in our suitcases in order to survive the year. But now, it, all, so many amenities that we weren't used to having, you know, when we were younger, are there. And I think it's 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 a time where, because of situations like this, where things are happening in the states in terms of employment, like you said, the economic crisis, and of course the cost of tuition, the cost of health care. Of course, now is the big topic in the last couple of weeks in the news here. Right. And uh, I just think it's uh, we're going to start having hopefully group discussions, talking about, you know, what what is this the time now? Is this is this the sign that we're waiting for that this this has to be the time to make aliyah? Obviously, those of us who are in Israel feel that, you know, we're very lucky that we're there. Um, we understand that it's not an easy thing, as someone very close to us once uh, told us. We no one has a contract with uh, with God for an easy life, and don't make Arab sars and all these other things, but. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the idea is that it's not an easy place to live, no question about it. But uh, it's interesting how so many factors are coming into play now in North America, which uh, are kind of pushing people more towards that. You yeah, I, I never thought I'd see something like this. Right. So we're going to be having discussions about that. 
Um, it's interesting also that some, one of the uh, staff members, Nefesh Benefesh, was uh, was in America recently speaking to a group, and they advertised his uh, his his uh, discussion as a discussion about Aliyah. Right. And he said six people showed up. Right. In this community, in in a city near it, us, or? it was not a it was not one of the main cities somewhere in the U.S. It was not New York. Let's right. put it that way. But he said he's positive that if he would have made the title. Israel advocacy, he would have had 200 people there. <laughs> and the question is how to move people from the idea of that they need to advocate for Israel, they need to support Israel. I have to tell the listeners that as much as Iran is in the news, it ain't on the street. I live next to the Shuk in Yerushalayim, as some of you know, and we don't talk about Iran in the Shuk. We talk about how much avocados are. <laughs> right. And not that it's obviously the threat of, of any attack or anything like that, thank God we have the IDF. We have people who are protecting us. Of course, God is protecting us most of all, but uh, we have excellent people out there who are protecting us to make it possible for us to go argue about the price of, uh, of avocados. <laughs> but it's not something that we live with. Like, but here, when people talk about Israel, it's all Iran, oh, Iran, we got to worry about Iran. People have to graduate from Israel advocacy to Israel being my place to live. Very good. Is that yours? Well, nice. I stole it from them. <laughs> You're kidding. You're now, kidding. If you, it's interesting. There's a there's an, uh, a writer, Yoram Chazoni. You know yeah, Yoram sure. Chazoni? Of course. So he I wrote an book. article. He wrote an article <laughs> a year ago, which Mark Rosenberg showed to me, that Americans should learn Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And the reason he said it was fascinating because he said that he knows that because he learned French in high school and he took two years or three years of French, and even though he wasn't an expert in French, when he went to Paris, he was able to connect more to the culture of France. Because he knew the language, then if he wouldn't have. Because, you know, if you're a tourist, you're a tourist. As Rabbi Riskin, our Rebbe, said once uh, on your show, is Israel Disneyland or is Israel your homeland? And during the Intifada, if you come to Israel because, you know, it, it's if you bad. usually come to Israel because it's, it's Disneyland, you ain't going to come during the Intifada because there's no parking. But if you come to Israel because it's your motherland, when, when do you visit your mother? When she needs you the most, when she's ill, when she needs you. That's when we should be coming. So I think that's part of it. And there's the feeling of moving from Israel advocacy to feeling that you're connected to Israel, what Chazoni is saying about learning Hebrew. And uh, he mentions in the article, I think, or someone mentioned to me, I don't know if he mentions in the article, but if you remember in the old days that movies that were showing in America, it would take six months before right. they get to Israel. Right. Now they're showing movies in Israel before they show them in America. <laughs> Says we've, we've already we've, we've overtaken America in a lot of the cultural things that we've taken from America, we already have them already. Look at cell phone advancements, way ahead of America. Exactly. So there's certain things that we, as as Americans, as people who are living in America, have to start taking from Israel, have to start connecting to that on that level. And he believed that learning Hebrew is part of it. It's, uh, I think it's true, and it's interesting because um, two weeks ago, well, let's see. Yeah, it will be two <laughs> weeks ago when we, uh, when we aired this show. Uh, we had Avi Silverman on, who was excellent for for two shows. The first show he did was about communities in general, right? And one of the things I asked him was how important he felt it was to live in a community of Hebrew speakers versus English speakers. Obviously, there's some really powerful, excellent communities of Anglo's uh, that we're familiar with in Israel. And you, as an American, and I, there are people who have been in Israel for thirty, forty years who still do not speak Hebrew very well because. They live in a neighborhood, or they live in a community where English is 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 is, is the uh, main is the main spoken language. Right. Which you know, for some people, especially if you make Aliyah older, it's harder to learn a new language. So 
you know, it's, it's great that they have that opportunity to have that. But the question is, if you're coming as a, as a young family, if you have young children, and, um, and he said he was very strong that uh, he felt it's much better to be in a Hebrew-speaking environment, especially for the children, to become more at, uh, to acclimated. And, and I can tell you the reaction to that has not been very positive. And I think that uh, the reaction that I've heard is that, you know, people are saying, you know, if I'm going to come, I want to come on my terms. And if I'm going to come to Israel, I want to come on my terms. I want to make it as easy as possible. Right. I want my kids to grow up just like they would grow up in, uh, you know, any one of the many cities we can mention here on the air. And I understand that there's a certain comfort level and, and, not, and not being able to continue to have that comfort level is scary to people, especially when you're raising children. I can tell you from my own personal experience that... Uh, it would have been a lot easier for all my children to go through the school system here as opposed to in Israel. Right. No question about it. Um, do we regret it? Absolutely not. You know, we, but it's not easy, right? But as we said before. Life isn't easy. <laughs> Life isn't easy. <laughs> but anyway, that's part of what we want to try and do is try and use the show to, to get people to start moving from advocacy to living Israel and thinking Israel as the as – the, uh, as the workshop uh, title of the class. We only have about eight minutes left, and I, a couple of things I want to get to. Um, I mentioned on Friday that one of the goals of this show is to document a family, uh, a group of people, you know, and follow their aliyah, so to speak. Right. Are there any candidates for that yet? Is there anybody that has been, that has, uh, I don't know, sprung forward in the, uh, in the eyes and minds of those who are at Nefesh Benefesh, that this might be the right family, the right couple, the right candidates yes. to follow through the process? Yes. And is it going to happen? <laughs> yeah, Mir Tashem. I mean, the... Uh, the uh... And does that mean starting from here or starting from when they're already in Israel? No, starting from when they're in Israel. So we're not great... doing the application process with them? No, we're not going to go... Th- at this point, that's, that's, that was a discussion also. We felt that it was, it was more important for people to be able to hear, especially because we only have a half hour a week. Right. So uh, we don't have a lot of time to, to deal with this. And we also want, besides a family, and we have some ideas of people that, uh, that would, uh, we think would be good candidates for this, but besides a family, uh, we, have, we really want to have a soldier, you know, someone mm. who's a lone, uh, probably a lone soldier, but someone who's, who's just come from America, who has just got into the Army recently, and we want to be able to follow him or her in their adventure you know, through, the, through the Army. And it, it really has a double... Uh, a double purpose, not just to, to give information to anyone who's interested in joining the army from directly from the states, but also for families who are behind, who are left behind, um, just to to give them some knowledge as to what what they should expect. And that the interesting thing there is that we we're waiting for permission from the army. Oh, because we're not allowed oh. to have any soldier on the air without permission from what's called Dover Tzahal, the uh, <laughs> the army spokesman. So that that's really one thing we do. But we did have a discussion about specifically a family and. And maybe a couple of other people that we'd like to have on. Uh, what we want to do also, we're, we're hoping that we'll be able to have on uh, next week, uh, right before Hanukkah, is Dr. Peter Abelow, who you know well. Sure. Made who, Aliyah himself. Correct. With his family. And he was our teacher. Right. Full disclosure, he was our teacher right. in high school and our principal in high school. And uh, Dr. Abelow now is, works with Keshet, which is a, does group tours to Israel, educational tours. And he's teaching through, through the, the touring uh, process. And uh, he and I are going to be discussing the, uh, the different sites you could see in Israel that teach you about the, the holiday of Hanukkah. And the idea- you mean you can't do that in New York, huh? You'll have, <laughs> you'll have to go back there to do that. Uh, you can go. I don't know. Maybe the Macy's Parade. I don't know, maybe they'll have a Hanukkah float this year because it's Thanksgiving-ka. But, uh, <laughs> Good point. So we hope, uh, 
as people have figured out, I'm in the states now, and uh, so the the travel uh, the travel schedule is what's uh, holding up a couple of these ideas. Right. But uh, we hope to have uh, Dr. Abel on for next show, and also uh, uh, this idea of discussions. And I, I just want to mention one of the things uh, that that happened on uh, in Think Israel was uh, Mark had mentioned on on Friday. Mark Roseberg mentioned that there were 150, I think, medical professionals yeah. who signed up. Correct. I can't stress enough how important it is at this point. Uh, it seems that we, we received in Israel a lot of medical professionals from Russia in the early 90s during the big Aliyah from Russia, and those doctors and nurses are retiring now. Mm. And there's a tremendous need for medical professionals, and I can tell you that uh, it's a discussion to have for probably for another show. I, uh, I've been involved in the medical profession a little now, not just as a, as a medic for Hatzalah, but just with different people who have uh, needed medical attention. <laughs> Thanks. No, but besides you. And um, I, I, this, the, the care in Israel is, is very, very good. There are stories. There are horror stories about the different things that have happened, and, and people have to be familiar with uh, you know, different ailments that they might have or different needs that they have, you know, how to go about it. But all in all, there's a tremendous, uh, tremendously high level of care in Israel. It's not like a, a backwards country when it comes to medical, uh, uh, medical needs. And there's no, but there's no question that we need to have more medical professionals coming. And Metnefish is working very hard with the health, uh, the the health uh, ministry to to make it easier for uh, medical professionals to get licensed in Israel. So. During my medical episode, the uh, elbow. In August, you said to me at some point, elbow gate, elbow gate. You you said to me in August uh, uh, during that uh, time that that if someone's coming here with the expectations that they can make what they make in the medical industry in the United States and Israel, that would be that would be tough to justify. That you the salaries are not like the United States. Correct, but that's also something that has to be looked at much better now because of the whole insurance business Well, that's now. true. Because the United States, you can't make as much as you used to be able In to fact, it's, uh, it's something to explore in terms of, uh, I think if anyone out there who's a medical professional who's, who's looking towards this as a possibility has to look at what are the possibilities for them in terms of Obamacare, how that, how that is going to affect them in terms of, of them being paid. I don't know. I have no idea right. about it, but I think it's something which has to be looked at as well. Finally, um, in, in Daniel Gordis's book, when he was planning with his family to stay in Israel for a year, test it out, etc. Right. He looks at Hanukkah as the turning point. That was the turning point. Anybody who wants to read a chapter that will inspire you, read the chapter of when him and his wife wake up, you know, one Hanukkah morning and basically say to each other, okay, we're never leaving here. That's how amazing the holiday uh, was, the ex holiday experience was for them and the pre-holiday experience because you know that pre-holiday in Israel on Hanukkah is amazing, right? I mean, just an ah. incredible feeling. Now, yeah. you you moved to Israel, obviously no intention come back to the United States, so obviously it's a little bit of a different situation, but do you look back at your first Hanukkah in any special way with that in mind? That's a good question. I, I remember the Hanukkah we spent in Israel uh, 13 years ago when we were there for a year as being a very, very uh, powerful time. It's when we, we actually took a trip um, with the family. It was the first family trip we took in Israel. So, uh, you know, it's for someone like us who grew up uh, in the metropolitan area, wherever you go, you hear the Christmas music and right. you see the the lights and the trees. You know, to to all of a sudden being able to one of the things that we do every Hanukkah, we try one night is to walk through uh, the old city of Yerushalayim or Geula or something, and just to see the different menorahs and to see how people who who have very little money. I mean, obviously they do not live high in the hog, right. and they have these beautiful menorahs and beautiful menorah cases outside, and it's a uh, 
it's it's very inspiring. So there's no question that uh, this is a holiday, um, which is really you know showing the the tremendous uh, connection we have with God through the land. And uh, I can see where it would make a difference to people in terms of uh, their coming. So maybe everyone should come for Hanukkah. You should have a Hanukkah mission. I, I want to tell you something. When we realized a couple of years ago that Thanksgiving and Hanukkah would be together and that basically most Americans would be able to spend at the minimum the first four or five days of Hanukkah in Israel right. without missing any school and without missing any work because so many people are out on Wednesday and, and a lot of schools won't even reconvene till Tuesday, Wednesday, the following week because of the way Thanksgiving and Hanukkah came out. I thought that this would be... You know, the the time to lead a mission to Israel, and it didn't materialize. Now, we can't wait for the next time that this happens, because I think it's like another, what, 700 years or something? Right, but we have to, <laughs> 70,000 years. 70,000 years. Ezra Heber, I don't know. <laughs> so we can't do that, but who knows? Maybe right. there'll be a, an experience where people will be able to go for Hanukkah and enjoy the land and fall in love. Well, I think uh, we're, we're getting to the end of our yeah. uh, time now. I want to thank Nachum Siegel for joining me. For this edition of Homeward Bound, anyone who wants any information, nbn.org.il is your address on the website. On the web and uh, 8664 Aliyah, 8664 A L I Y A H. We look forward to speaking to you next week on Tuesday night at 7 30 with our next edition of Homeward Bound and uh, pre Hanukkah edition. Mm. And of course, we'll have another uh, Hanukkah edition uh, the next week after that. So we have to come up with something else. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all good. It's all good. Well, thank you again. This is Yigal Siegel for Homeward Bound. On the Nachum Siegel Network, have a great week, everybody. Every day's an endless stream of disappointment, broken dreams.